This is The TJ Show. Yeah, our producer, Kenny. Not a, quite a full year, but you've been in this newish relationship. It's Since going, February. Going very well. And this is the first time you're faced with the holiday season together. Yeah. Ooh, hey, have and fun with that. <laughs> yeah, the big question is, well, whose house do you go to? Is it too soon to go to each other's festivities for Thanksgiving? And I guess might as well talk about Christmas, too. Kenny called his mom and dad to let him know the news about where he's going this year. Let's see how they react. Hello, baby. How you doing? Hi, mommy. What's up? <laughs> Someone tells me you should probably be with them if you're still calling her mommy. Right, seriously. <laughs> I don't know what exactly the plan is just yet, but h- how would you feel if I spent the holidays with Allison and her family? That's your girlfriend. No. <laughs> so, immediate <laughs> rejection. Your dad in the in the back of the room. No, no Thanksgiving football. Oh, you better not. Uh, we got a Jets game on Black Friday. You gotta be here for that. <laughs> Never mind the future of your family, the woman of your dreams. Maybe you got a football game on that Friday, that's so you a, need to be home. That's important. I think Allison would understand. You can't do Thanksgiving because we got football game Friday. Can you give the phone to Dad, please? Yep. Hold on. Which one do you want? Chris, do you want him to be no, here for Christmas or Thanksgiving? We got a game on Friday. <laughs> so now they're talking Christmas plans. You didn't even bring that up. All right. He's going to go to Christmas Eve here or the other one there or vice versa. So he's telling you, how does it make you feel? Totally expected this, to be honest with you. But My brother is married and he had to deal with this with his wife, Shannon. And which family do you visit on what holiday? And oh, you got to tell your son he's got to get his priorities straight. Uh, let me tell you that much. <laughs> I love that your dad has something to say about this because usually I hear moms are the ones that have something to say about this. But the fact that your dad is like, no, I want you home for the holidays. That's awesome. Well, sort of. But it also feels a little controlling. Yeah. I mean, he's thinking about himself and what he wants. (laughs) But it is good that he wants you there. I I, I do appreciate that. But I definitely expected the daddy guilt trip because I've seen it before. Oh, there you go. Did you hear him? Yeah, I heard him. So I have to drive two hours. And then another two hours. <laughs> I know. Dad's famous for leaving those kind of guilt trips. See, I would expect her to say, no, 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 don't worry about it. But she laughs and goes, yeah, yeah, that's pretty much what you have to do. <laughs> yes. Okay, well, that was just a test. Um, I'm going to be up for okay. Thanksgiving and Christmas Eve. Wait a minute, you're just testing them? Yeah. <laughs> Kenny, why are you putting your parents through this? Just tell them where you're going to be. They they deserve it. But yeah, Allison and I, <laughs> we've decided we're going to do the holidays separately this year. At least. Oh, well, that's a whole other thing. Hold on. Hold that thought. And Christmas. We're doing our holidays separately this year. Okay. Yeah, but I, there might be a time where I have to go and be with her family on Christmas. Yeah, there might be a time when there's a ring on her finger. You're not holding your <laughs> breath just yet? No, I'm not holding my breath unless you're going to give it to her for Christmas this year. I don't know what the end <laughs> No. So they've got a standard. You better be married before you miss out on any family gatherings. I thought like that's so. fair. That's fair. No, yes, J-Bo. Yes, Kenny's his own grown man. No, that's fair. He's had his family in his life longer than he has Allison in his life. Oh, come on. Give anybody a ring for Christmas. All right, Mommy. I love you. All right, you. love you. Okay, bye. All right. Wow, aren't the holidays fun? (laughs) Wait, so you are going separate places? Yes, we've decided we're going to do holidays separate. You guys decided together? Yes. I'm going to get my wife Jess on the phone 
Jess and I actually happen to have the same exact span that you do. We started dating in February of the year we met. And then come December and November in this time, we had to make the same decision. Jess, you there? Yeah. What's Kenny's right move? The right move is to do what they decide on. Obviously, I I do think it's interesting, though, that they decided not to be together on. I mean, I know Christmas. I've talked to Allison. who's awesome. She came to our house. And I know Christmas is like the most important thing to her in her life. I'm just surprised they're not going to see each other on Christmas. Well, we won't be together for the actual days, but we do plan on spending a lot of time together and celebrating the holidays in our own way. Kenny sounds like a politician right now. Right. Yeah, very diplomatic, <laughs> didn't it? Sounds, it's like a non-answer. It's mm-hmm. such a, like, so, Kenny, just what happened? You, is nobody wants to give up spending the holiday with their family at this point. Is that what it is? Well, yeah, to some degree. I think we both enjoy our family traditions for the Uh holidays and we want to have one last hurrah with these family traditions before we start our new traditions. Well, what's wrong with the new ones though? There's nothing wrong with the new ones. Just like there's nothing wrong with the old ones. I'm actually not against Kenny's decision. I don't think it's anything wrong with that. No, I'm not against. Yeah. Guys, there's no wrong or right. You're peaceful, and it sounds like you both feel like you're winning. So that's great. Yeah, we're both in agreement here. But, you know, there are some geographical, you know, there's there's geography that's getting in between us, too. Where, I mean, if we lived in the same town as both of our families, then that wouldn't be difficult to, you know, do a little Christmas Eve or a little drop-off on Christmas Day. But we're talking about driving hours and hours to get to places. So Kenny, you're sweating. Please. Jess, you're making Kenny sweat. How many hours, Kenny? It's like two and a half hours. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, that was the distance between me and TJ, too. I, I think it's also complicated. I could be wrong. I, I might be assuming here. But I think there sounds like there's some pressure based on what we heard from that phone call from your parents. Whereas with my parents, they never put any sort of pressure on me of where to be. So I felt free that first year to be like, all right, Jess, wherever you are, that's where I'm going to be. And so then I just spent the holidays with her. Yeah, that's true. And it, it would have been harder for me if TJ had been like, you can see me, but I'm not doing anything other than my family's holidays. Yeah, well, I can't speak for Allison necessarily, but yeah, there definitely is some pressure on my end. And I know that Allison has her family traditions too. And I bet she's probably feeling a little pressure on that end too. I, I don't know for sure though. I think that's one of the hardest part about if you get married, kind of compromising which family you see and don't see for holidays. And so avoiding that this year totally makes sense. Yeah, that's a good political answer, too. You guys should run <laughs> yeah. for office. But I think like, those are married people problems. Like if right. you're dating and it's only, what, seven months in, I don't think this is a problem you should have when you're dating. So sure. do your separate holidays with your family and then you can meet up leading up to Christmas or after. Now, when you get married, that's a different conversation. Do you feel yeah. better or worse after this conversation, Kim? Worse. Okay. <laughs> no. yeah, that, that was the goal, right, TJ? <laughs> no. Good buddy of mine, TJ. Oh, I love you. You're fine. You and no, you're fine. fine. You're doing great. Listen, everyone's a politician here. It's, a, it's great. You guys love each other a lot, right? Yes, we do. We made the decision together. Right. Happy holidays. <laughs> Bye. Love Bye. you, Kenny. Bye, Jess. Love you, too. <laughs> okay, here we go. May I make a public service announcement? This could very well protect you from a potential bad decision. Here's the headline. Woman who got boyfriend's name tattooed on her forehead shares, quote, regret in a big update. (laughs) That is a huge regret. Did you hear what I said? Name of the boyfriend tattooed across her forehead said it was a bad idea Mm. (laughs) after thinking about it. So it's just something to take note of. 
And interestingly enough, this story has a surprise twist, which I didn't know about until I was just reading through this. This is a TikTok video, went viral. There's a woman named Anna. She's seemingly getting her boyfriend's name tattooed across her forehead in huge font. And there's a stencil against her head. She's beaming from ear to ear. And then she sits back in a tattoo artist's chair and says, let's do it. Now, what tattoo artist would ever do that? I mean, you'd have to think they'd get arrested for that, right? You'd hope they talk somebody out of that. Like, ah, sis, bro, that's not a good idea. Well, it turns out as tens of millions of views started racking up on this video and people were saying, you've got to be kidding me. There were some skeptics. Well, the skeptics were correct (laughs) because now there's a follow-up video. And you know what? Kudos to her. This is very clever. She wipes the name Kevin from her forehead and admits it was all a ruse. Anna claims that she made the video because she regrets her actual tattoos. And she says that uh, she doesn't want anyone else to go through the same thing. She was quoted saying, I want everyone to know that I regret my tattoos and you might regret yours when you get older. As a person fully covered in tattoos, I feel like this is my responsibility to speak up, share my experience. And when people see me on social media, the first thing they notice about me is my tattoos. So if I influence someone, I want to influence people in the right way. Now, you have tattoos. Any announcements you want to make, J-Bo? No, not at all. No regrets? No regrets, no. My grandpa, who is now 93, he's got a a big blotch on his arm. And anytime anyone asks him about it, he says, don't get tattoos. Now, this is, of course, I think in the 50s when he got that. Yeah, it's a different kind of different technology than, than it is now. Yeah. But that has been etched in my brain since I was a kid. Because I would, I would always ask him, Pop, what is that? And he'd say, it's a bird eating a worm. And I was like, okay, I don't see it. And I could never see it until many, many years later, I saw a picture of him when it was nice and fresh. And I was like, oh yeah, look at that. It's the bird. And now I look at it. I go, oh yeah, okay. I, I could see that. The whole early bird gets the worm concept. Right. I think, I don't know. You could talk to him about it, but he's going to tell you, take your tattoos off. I would just call it a birthmark at that point. If it's a blob, I'd be like, it's a birthmark. It no, is what no. it is. No. And he went out. Uh, so Anna goes on to explain that when she got her first tattoo 10 years ago, her mom and friends told her that she would regret it. But she didn't listen to them because they didn't have any tattoos of their own. However, she believes if there was someone covered in tattoos who would have told her that she'd regret them, she would have listened. So she's doing her part now and uh, glad to announce she did not get Kevin tattooed across yeah, I'm happy her forehead. for her on that. Yes, producer Heather, who's heavily tattooed. <laughs> Sorry, did this make you sad? A, a little. I do have one tattoo that I might kind of regret, maybe in a couple of years. I got it as a bit for a radio show that I used to work oh. on, and it's a like a couch on the side of my like ribs. Yeah, it looks like a love seat, but I'm afraid in a couple of years it's going to turn into a full sectional. You know what I mean? Like it's just going <laughs> to move around. Oh. I didn't know you had another radio show tattooed on you. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> I would never make you get our show tattooed on you. I actually would. I would ask that you don't work here anymore if you did that. Appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to. After anyone. she got the tattoo, please, please don't get this the name of this show tattooed on you. Yeah, this whole story reminds me of a scene from a movie where the Millers, where one of the characters has a no regrets tattoo across yeah. his chest, but it's misspelled R A G R E T S. Oh man, that's one I think you would regret. This is the TJ Show. I'm sorry this happened to you, Jabo. You have your kitty cat, Apollo, who we know and love. Very vocal cat. Guess it uh, got a hold of something, maybe. Does he lick himself and maybe get a lot of fur down yeah. his... Yeah, a lot his of cats. Tummy. yeah. They, they do that. They want to be so clean, which I admire. Yeah, I appreciate that. It's pretty rare about an animal, but then they have too much hair and they start throwing up hairballs mm-hmm. and... 
So you found a present on your carpet. I did. It was on my carpet, on my floor. It was disgusting. And I like that you did an interview with him because he's so vocal. Mm-hmm. He does respond to you when you interview him. Paulo, I don't appreciate you throwing up on the carpet. Whoa, what happened to him? I don't know what's going on. I think maybe he just woke up from a nap. You know when you first wake up from a nap, your voice isn't right. But that happens to cats too. It happens to Apollo. He swallowed a bird. That's why he threw up. (laughs) Come on. You could have did that in the cat litter box. It's a multi-use box. What do you have to say for yourself? Hmm? Well, he really has to warm up for his meows Mm -hmm. because this is the same cat right here. Yeah. Listen to how it almost sounds like a lion. Right. <laughs> He's gonna. Did you ever teach him vocal exercises? <laughs> Little warm ups. Yeah, seriously. Me, 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 me. Meow. Now I gotta clean the carpet with vinegar and warm water. <laughs> I feel bad for him. So you mentioned vinegar and water there. Yeah. You put to use some advice from one of our listeners who just recently called in. His name was Zach. Yeah. He lives in Paris, Texas. If you missed it, here's what he had to say. Because I was talking about my Luna, and she threw up on the carpet mm-hmm. in my daughter's room. The best thing that's worked for me is those little wish drill brushes and vinegar. So vinegar is not going to mess up the carpet. No, vinegar and hot water, and then just grab you a drill brush and just scrub it for 30 seconds and it's gone. And Chapo did that. It worked like magic. Listened to contractor Zach's advice. Yes, I did. Everything got cleaned up. Now, I didn't have a drill brush. I had like a big cleaning brush. Uh-huh. And so my arm became the drill. I was the drill. So what you're saying is you can improvise on this advice you and can. it still works. Yes, it does. Wow. It just goes to show you like, this is the beauty of radio. People call in, yeah. they happen to hear me talking about Luna throwing up and mm-hmm. he just wanted to help and he gave that advice and it's not just you. It's not just you who's affected, <laughs> J-Bo. It's everyone. It's everyone. Because now everyone can listen to that. And you know, most people probably know you need vinegar and water and brushes to get that out of a carpet. I had no idea. I never got the memo because I had a mom who would always do stuff like that. And uh, even as an adult, I hate to admit this, but even as an adult, sometimes when my uh, floor gets really messy because mm-hmm. we have hard floors. Right. My mom will come over to visit and I'll go, Mom, can you show me how to use that Swiffer thing <laughs> with the Stop with the liquid it. one more time? I just forgot how you did it. And she loads it up and she does the, let me show you how you do it. And she starts doing the whole floor. I think there's a term for that. Um, you may have heard us call it Kenny it. Oh, yeah, Kenny it. Yeah. When Kenny manipulates his mom to do things well for him. Well done, sir. <laughs> You're learning. You're learning, you. I have to admit to Kenny, yes, is Kenny a little extreme? Like if he's in the mood for a PlayStation 5, you call your mom and say you're in the mood. So one example. And it shows up at your doorstep. I, as I'm talking, I realize I do a version of that. Maybe it's not as offensive, Mm. but uh, my floor is very clean and I didn't clean it. My mom's really happy. Ask your mom for a PlayStation 5. See if she sends you that. No, I don't want that. I do though. No, that's, that's a way that she would hurt me take up all my time so thank you to Zach of Paris, Texas your advice lives on and now it's in uh, almost documentary form for us to play for the ages do you have a dream something that you wish you could do you've always had on your heart and it just seems so impossible to get there it's like how many hurdles can we have on this planet to get to what we want to do well I read a book that I've recommended a number of times over the years it really made me rethink trying to achieve any goals that we may have. It, it's through the lens of being an artist. 
but I think it applies to most careers. I'm so excited to have this guy here. His name is Mason Curry. He's an author of a book called Daily Rituals, How Artists Work. Mason, it's such a great pleasure to be connected with you here. Hey, it's great to be here. Thank you. So I think about this book often. Do you agree that a large majority of people don't actually want to put the work in? Something as simple as reading a book to accomplish their dreams? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think even the great artists that I tried to write about in this book, uh, to some extent, didn't want to put the work in. And so much of what I wrote about is how they kind of tricked themselves into doing it. You know, yeah. like what kind of structures they made to make themselves do the work every day. Exactly. Yeah, Mason, we're so addicted to comfort that we don't want to do anything that feels either too hard or it's too much work. And what you've done here you went through like over 150 stories of people that we know, really big success stories, people like novelists, poets, playwrights, painters, philosophers, you go down the list, these really big success stories, and you distilled all of their routines. Like, what did they do to get there? What did they do to become very successful? And I just think that's so clever. And I, I don't know if there are other books like this, but I had never seen one until I found yours. And it really changed the way that I think about the discipline in our lives. And when we say we want to accomplish a dream, are we really doing everything that we can to accomplish that dream? When I went through all these different stories, I, I noticed there were all these patterns that obviously you discovered through going through so many, what, biographies and memoirs. I mean, this must and taken you a million years. How did you get through all these? How do you <laughs> even get drawn to wanting to do something like this? I mean, it really just comes out of my own desire to be a writer and just like not knowing how to do it. I mean, I knew you're supposed to write, you know, like you hear you're supposed to write every day, but it's like, I just, every fiber of my being fought against doing that. You know, I could like sit down sort of regularly, but I could never quite like make it a thing. And so... I, this whole project came out of a blog I started while I was procrastinating on a writing assignment, um, uh, you know, just collecting stories about how people did it. Like, how did they make a daily practice to get their work done? It's so cool, yeah. Mason, because oftentimes when someone will share their dreams with me or, you know, maybe you meet a kid who's like going into college and wants to do something and they say, well, how do you do it? My advice is always just immerse yourself in the people's stories who are doing what you want to do. And it sounds like that's exactly what you did. Yeah. I mean, I think it's both like, for me, it's been super useful and helped me figure out how to make a writing career. And also it's like pure procrastination. I think it's my favorite way <laughs> to avoid working because it feels like you're kind of working. You know what I mean? Like read about how other people got it done. Maybe it'll inspire you. Maybe you'll get an idea. And, and sometimes it does work. Because everyone has some sort of dream and every, everyone's got something on their heart that they really want to do. And what I've found is most people often share the obstacles of why they can't do what they feel drawn to wanting to do. What have you found through all the research that you've done, all the distillations of people People's story and how they got from where they are to where they want to be. What would you say was the most common discipline that people had to do to get there? I mean, I think it's just like creating a bubble. You have to be able to carve out some space for yourself, some time and space where you just do the thing and you kind of like dive in and you don't let outside interruptions interrupt you. You know, you like whether it's a couple hours first thing in the morning or late at night, or, you know, you go someplace where no one can interrupt you or you lock the door and put on noise canceling headphones. It's like having some kind of discipline about like, this is my space and I'm not going to let it be violated. Amazing. Have you also noticed that 
a lot of these people that you've researched, these huge names that so many of us know and love now, they really had these ordinary stories and they weren't anything, like they weren't born the masters of their craft that we know them to be now. Like they had pretty ordinary lives most of the time. And it's as simple as like, I'm going to be intentional about going for a walk today and writing down the thoughts that come to my head. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I mean, that was kind of like, I think this book kind of punctures the myth of the artist as like this figure of like inspiration and free flowing uh, improvisation. It's like so many of these people had really regular kind of boring days. And that was kind of the challenge of the book was like, okay, here's another person who got up and drank some coffee and then sat at their desk for four hours and then went for a walk. Like, how did you, you know, I kind of like, how do you make it interesting? But I think what makes it interesting is like the actual details and how much they mattered, you know, like how three hours was the sweet spot and then a walk and then people got more ideas and then they took a nap. It's, it's for me, it was really fun to see these, how these little pieces all fit together to make a big body of work over the long term. I don't know. Have you found this, Jabo, where sometimes it's just the simplest things that stop people from pursuing their dreams? And it's like, I love to tell people there, it's, it, there is an actual way to do this. And people have done it for centuries. Yeah, I find myself looking at the mountain and thinking that I need to conquer the mountain instead of just taking the mountain a little bit at a time. So like Mason, you had mentioned that the idea for the book, Daily Rituals, How Artists Work, came from you procrastinating writing a blog. You were still doing something with writing, which then started creating this idea for this book where it's kind of like you gave your brain a break, but you were still working towards the craft. Yeah, that's super true. And that, that's been true for me too. It's like the thing that you do to procrastinate on the thing you think you're supposed to do sometimes can guide you into what you're really interested in. But for me, it was always trying to figure out how to write and how to make writing be, you know, engaging and not just like a torment. So it was like the subject ended up being that thing for me. Yeah, you didn't go for the mountain. You took it bit by bit. And I know that's what's overwhelming for me <laughs> yeah. is like I go for the mountain and that can really paralyze me and moving forward. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. You got to like focus on the increments, like the daily increments and not get too bogged down in like the big picture. And Mason, your book, I know it focuses a lot on artists and philosophers and painters, but I think your book could be helpful to anyone who has any dream for any industry because it, it just shows that any ordinary person could wake up and make a decision. I want to move towards that dream. And you see how these people did it. And I just, I think that's so inspiring. Thank you for putting a book out there that even all these years later, I still think about often. I still recommend to people. And I'm also saying this to you, if you're listening right now on your way to work or school or wherever you're going, and you're like, man, I really have this dream and it seems so impossible. Try Mason Curry's book, How Artists Work, um, Daily Rituals. It is just so awesome. And uh, you've done a great job collecting these stories. And I think you've created a piece that will last for many, many years to come. Oh, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate that. That means a lot. There he is, Mason Curry. And where can people find you? How do people get connected with you and read your work? And I'm assuming you're going to have more work coming out in the future. Yeah, yeah. I'm working on a new pro a new book project that's kind of stalled out, but I'm hoping to finish it in the next year. Hey, read a book um, called Daily Rituals. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I have a newsletter where I kind of keep uh, keeps writing about these issues, which you can find on masoncurry.substack.com. Yeah, and I love that you are willing to share that, Mason, that you even, you're a writer. That's your job. You've written multiple books. People love your books. And yet you are saying, yeah, this current project stalled a little bit. I mean, we all go through these obstacles and we all have these things that create these hurdles in front of what we want to get to. So it, that's just so honest of you to say that. And I love that. Yeah, thanks. No, I mean, it's so easy to see people coming out with things and think, oh my God, everyone's so prolific. And like, here's another book. And you you, you don't really see 
the years of being stuck. So I like to be <laughs> honest about it. <laughs> no, it's great. Mason Curry, a great honor to talk to you. Keep up the great work with your writing. Keep inspiring people. And I'll keep recommending your book. It's called Daily Rituals, How Artists Work. I think if, you, if you're sitting on some sort of a dream or you're thinking about something you want to do and you just have no idea how to get there, check out this book. I recommend it all the time. And I'm a fan. So it's great to be connected with you, Mason. Great. Thank you so much. Yesterday, there was a story that was making headlines everywhere. We found out that the quarterback of the New York Giants, professional NFL player, yeah, still living at home with his parents. That's right. We put the question out there, how old is too old? And we heard from a bunch of you. Thank you for reaching out at TJ Podcast. You sent us an audio DM on Instagram. We love getting you involved with the show. This was from Becca in Marshfield, Mass. So I said it's never too old to stop living with your parents, but... I kind of meant more like it's the dream to be living at home. So I think it's important to move out before you're 30 for sure and figure out how to do life on your own. Yeah, that is a big factor here. Like, do we learn how to actually live life if we're just under the protective shell of our parents' house? Yeah, there's some things you definitely get protected from. Like, you don't have to worry about making mortgage payments if your parents carry that heavy load. I was reminiscing the other day about when I lived at home and worked part-time and was in school part-time and I had enough money to do all the fun things I wanted to do but didn't have any major bills to pay and dinner was made for me every Mm. night. I never had to think about it. Sounds dreamy to me. Yeah. And it was... The best time ever. Well, thank you, Becca, for encouraging us if we're still living at home that maybe it's not the worst thing in the world. Marie? Hey, my name's Marie, and I am listening to you guys from Oregon. Um, The question you guys asked this morning is, how old is too old to live at home with your parents? And my response was, who cares as long as everyone's happy and healthy? Well, that's a big factor because it could be tough depending on how tough your parents are. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. If it's their house, you can't really tell them how to live. Right, because they're rules, right? Right, yeah. So they can be as annoying as they want. You can't say a word about it. That's a complication. Um, I think especially in the world today and the prices of everything that parents and older children living together kind of just makes sense sometimes, especially if uh, people aren't married or have families, even if they do living all together to help support each other. Um, I think as long as everyone's supportive and helping out and it works, then that's great. It works. We shouldn't label or put an age limit. We should celebrate people being together and working together and uh, being successful. Well, hey, anytime people can work together, usually there's good results on the other side of that, right? Usually, yes. And this is all about strategy, I think is what we're hearing. If you can strategize to save some money and to gather a bunch of knowledge while you're living at home, and we're not just watching TV or playing video games, then it could be a great strategy. But I think it benefits the parent just as much as it benefits the child. Sure, if, if we kick in. Right, exactly. If you like help out. Now, if you're just like hanging out and you expect for your mom and your pops to do your laundry, make your bed and cook for you, you're just a weight at that point. Yeah, and if it happens to happen that way, then fine, you know, we'll take it. But uh, we're not asking for it. Like, Kenny, you never asked for it. (laughs) He never said stop either. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This is from our listener, Ashley. So I think 40 is too old to still be living at home. Oh, so that means everything up to 40 is fine. (laughs) I think this only because I think the longer that you stay at home, you know, the real world is not all what it's cracked up to be. So I just think that if, you know, they can save some money and live at home as long as possible, it'll only be more beneficial for them in the long run. 
there's also an option to make a whole lot of money and make yeah. make way more money than a, a certain family is used to. And that, again, I think is strategy. It, for sure. And then taking that money and being able to invest it or maybe even help your family in the future. Just because our families do things a certain way does not mean that we have to do it that way from here on out. Hey, Faith in Kalamazoo, Michigan. I'm here. You have an age. How old can you be uh, living with your parents still, if there is such an age? Well, <laughs> as a mental health therapist, I've learned not to put arbitrary numbers on things. Uh-huh. That's probably a good so plan for most of humanity to yeah, listen like to, right? Like just saying random <laughs> stuff without really researching it or thinking about it. Yeah, well, and it depends so much on the individual and the relationship with the, the parents or whoever else is living in the household. Yeah, of course, right, because parents can be really annoying. I'm sure, you know, as you're dealing with uh, the work that you're doing every day, you're probably hearing about a lot of parents who complicate things. (laughs) Um, Yes and no. I've actually come across quite a few families that are kind of reverting back to the kids staying home longer while they transition into adulthood and even further. Well, Faith, let me learn a little something about you. So you, you are a mental health therapist. And uh, do you like your job, right? You have to like that if you're going to do that kind of work. Yes, I love it. I'm a social worker, and I just opened my own practice last year with my business partner, Amy, here in Kalamazoo, and we're loving it. Faith, that is awesome. So you're doing what you love. It's rewarding work. And would you want it any other way? No, I think that being a social worker is not my job. It's who I am. You found what you're called to do. Yes. It fits after all of my life experience. Being a social worker is a natural transition into, you know, helping others a lot of times dealing with things that I myself dealt with. Faith, how do you think you made that transition where you knew this is what I'm made to do? Because so many people ask that question, some for their entire lives, and they never quite figure it out. What was it where you knew for sure, oh, this is what I'm called to do? And for some reason, you're called to do that. For some reason, we're in this radio studio. And, uh, you know, you're tuned into us. It's weird that we get drawn to these individual, unique career paths and, and life paths. What was it? When did you know that it's what you're meant to do? I think that it's not like a big epiphany. It's more like you make a choice and then that leads you to more choices and you kind of just naturally find your way there. I think for me, it was really struggling when I first started college because I didn't feel like I had a calling anywhere and I was jealous of people that kind of knew what they were going to do since they were teens. So I just tried to make decisions and that were consistent with who I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And that led me down this road of really, you know, helping other people and devoting my life to a lot of these, you know, social inequalities. From it's- there, I just evolved and kept rolling. So it sounds like you moved in that direction, you liked the mm-hmm. results, and you kept moving in that direction, and when you found something that didn't feel right, you just kept going in the other direction, and it was a little bit at a time. It wasn't like you had it all figured out in college, and you knew exactly what you mm-hmm. wanted to do. It was one step at a time. Yep. It, it goes yeah. back to what and we I were mean, talking about earlier. We were interviewing Mason Curry, who wrote that book, How Artists Work, and Jabo mentioned something that I thought was great. She said, one of your challenges, Jabo, is that you sometimes will look at the whole mountain yes. and think, I got to climb the whole mountain, when really it's like, how do you climb a mountain? It's one step at a time. That's right. Yep. Awesome. It is. And I, I teach that a lot with my you know people because they're so overwhelmed with life and they don't know where to start. And you basically just have to, first of all, like not focus on the big picture. Just look at the very next step that you need to take, just that one. 
Faith, we're so happy that you're listening to our show. I know you've got a lot of things you can listen to, and it's no small thing that you're tuned in here. So thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. You have a great day. Thank you, you too. Thank you, Faith. This is the TJ Show, our news. It sounds a whole lot different around here. Our producer, Kenny, he reads through every story you can find, and then he brings us the most interesting ones. Kenny, what is happening on the planet this Tuesday? You know, it's harder than ever to buy a house right now with low inventory and really high interest rates. A new report is proving that fact. From July 2022 to June 2023, the average income for a home buyer was $107,000 a year. Mm. The year before, the average income was 88000 a year. So it's risen quite a bit. Everything's jumping. That's was a big jump. Yeah, I was talking about it earlier. It's $15 for a 32-ounce, I'm going to just call it a jar, because it's like a it's a glass bottle of cranberry juice. It's like, are they connected, the home buying and the cranberry juice? Mm, I don't think so. <laughs> no. I don't think so. Mm-mm. You got to stop buying fancy cranberry juice. Well, I just want the real stuff. It's just everything's expensive is what I'm trying to say. Now, I did see, I was passing a gas station, and the price for a gallon of gas was way cheaper than I was expecting. But then I realized I had to get a car wash, too. And I was like, you know what? I don't really trust their car wash. I don't like when they advertise like that because you pull in thinking that the gas is cheaper yeah. and then you go to pay and you're like, wait, how? why isn't it cheaper? Oh, I had to get a car wash. This is it's ridiculous. To me, it's never, I mean, maybe there's a great gas station that does a wonderful car wash. I haven't found it yet. We're learning some other things from this new report as well. For instance, the share of single women buying homes is almost double that of men. And they're also slightly older. A single woman buying her first home is 38 on average, while a single man is 33. And the average first-time home buyer is 35 years old. That's up from 29 going back to the 80s. And it appears older people are buying up most of the bigger houses and selling their starter homes. The report found that the median age of a repeat home buyer last year was 58. Back in 1981, it was 36. What else do you have? There's a Department of Justice antitrust trial going on right now against Google, and we're learning a lot from it. The lawsuit essentially accuses Google of having a monopoly on the search engine business and that their practices and the deals they've made have made it pretty much impossible for any competitor to establish itself. So now we're learning that their deal to make Google the default search engine for Apple Safari browsers on iPhones and all other Apple products earns Apple a 36% cut of Google's search ad wow. revenue on Safari. Well, sounds like a good plan if you're Apple, right? Yeah, and I guess for Google, too, to some degree. Now, that's on top of the already $20 billion that they pay every year to keep Google as the default engine on Safari. So they get a flat fee and a percentage of ad revenue. $20 wow. billion dollars a year? Whoever worked out that contract, yo, call me. <laughs> call me. That's great. We got to talk. It's estimated that the ad sharing arrangement, it makes up more than 10% of Apple's profits. So Apple's making some serious money from this deal and this deal alone. It's still an ongoing trial and we'll continue to keep an eye on Doesn't it. Doesn't it feel weird that there are people who are hungry in the world and then there's a story like this where they're making mm-hmm. $20 billion because they get to make Google yeah. the default? Yeah. I mean, it's wild. Yeah. This is the world we're in. Kenny, what else do you have? A friendly reminder that Google will be deleting inactive Gmail accounts on December 1st. Uh-oh, j you got some inactive accounts laying no, around? No, I use all my Gmail accounts. Good, good for you. Ooh, you do have multiple accounts. Yeah. What are you doing on the different accounts? 
Why is that your business? Do I know all of them? <laughs> touch your nose. <laughs> You're being nosy. Touch oh, your okay, nose. Okay, fine. I feel humiliated. I'm going to stop. I'm going to tell you how my mom tells me when I'm being nosy. <laughs> yeah, Kenny, is this really going to happen? Yeah, they made this announcement earlier this year, but the deadline is coming up. So if you haven't signed in to a Gmail account within a two-year period, that's how they consider it inactive, and they will delete your account along with all of its content and data. So, for instance, if your Gmail account is tied to Google Photos, Google Calendar, Google Events, Google Docs, emails, it'll all go away. So all you have to do is log in, and that will make it active again. If TJ at gmail.com hasn't been using his email account. I'm going to wait for that. Yes, yeah. match it up. Right, Heather's doing the same thing. She's got her name with numbers after it. <laughs> Wouldn't you just love to have just your name? I would. Yeah, well, maybe this is it. Kenny, what else do you have? Gary Turner, a.k.a. The Golden Bachelor, told People Magazine that he's not sure if it's a good idea to do a Golden Bachelor in Paradise spinoff series. What would that look like? So that would mean the women that did not get chosen by Gary would all be on a resort island to date other men. I don't know where they would get the men from. Hmm. I guess you would need a golden bachelorette. So a bunch of senior that. citizens on the island? Yeah, kind of I mean, a free-for-all on the island dating each other. does sound like a fun show. Yeah. <laughs> There's a place like that in Orlando called The Villages. Uh-huh. It's like... <laughs> It exists already. It exists. Oh, great. pretty sure Heather's laughing because she knows exactly what I'm talking about. Well, then there you go. Done. Done deal. Yeah, I mean, the Bachelor in Paradise is great. I guess now we just need senior citizens in bathing suits dating on the beach. That should get a lot of ratings, I'm sure. Kenny, what else do you have? We've all lost or misplaced something. It happens to the best of us, but not many can say they lost a tool bag in outer space. We're learning how two NASA astronauts lost their tool bag while performing a routine maintenance spacewalk on the International Space Station. The tool bag was said to be worth $100,000. What kind of tools? hate when that happens. Space tools. $100,000? I mean, they're not working on tables here. They're working on rockets and satellites. And what's the difference between a space hammer and an earth hammer? (laughs) Is it it like hundreds of thousands? That's incredible. Now, what's amazing is that the tool bag is now orbiting 200 miles above the earth, just ahead of the space station. And it can be seen with a basic telescope or even a pair of binoculars. Get out of here. I have both at home. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to have fun tonight. (laughs) So you don't need to worry about the bag falling on anyone's head. Experts say there's no chance that will happen. It should orbit for a few more months, then it's expected to descend and disintegrate in the Earth's atmosphere. Oh, wow. I so hope the so. atmosphere is still going strong. Yeah, it still does its thing. It Rip through some, to- some tools. <laughs> right. You <laughs> want a hammer falling on your head. That would hurt. The yeah. tool bag has been officially cataloged as Space Junk ID 58229 Dash 067WC. Wait, just hold on. I missed that. Look you, it up. Wait, can yeah, you say can, that again? I, got, I was just yeah, we're ready typing it down. It down. Yeah. I yes. Make... <laughs> Space Chuck <laughs> Who <idea>. cares? <laughs> Who cares about the number? Kenny, what else do you have? Self-checkout has become the norm all over the world. We've been hearing recent stories about how retailers have been dealing with increased shrink or loss of inventory because of self-checkout, whether it's shoplifting or even honest mistakes where somebody forgets to scan an item. Some stores even have these devices that can stop a transaction in its process if they suspect you of stealing. 
However, this one supermarket chain in England is getting rid of self-checkout, but not for reasons of theft or shrink. Booth Supermarket says they're moving to staff checkouts because they believe colleagues serving customers deserve a better customer experience. So true. And therefore, they've taken the decision to remove self-checkouts in the majority of their stores. It is becoming a rare thing. To interact with cashiers. I'm noticing it's more and more yeah. places going to the auto checkout. It's frustrating. It takes more time, at least for me. It and takes I'm not me on longer. Payroll. Like, why I got to bag my own groceries? Yeah. Yeah. And I love in the grocery stores that I do go to, and I tend to gravitate towards the ones with people. I love getting in line, striking up a conversation. There's a girl who works at a local grocery store, she knows my whole family. And she says hi to my kids. She even, uh, my wife was there and she goes, oh, I just saw your wife. And it's like, we feel like we know her. She's part of our community. And there are so many awesome cashiers out there. So I'm glad to hear that. That's what's happening. Kenny, thank you for keeping us somewhat informed. 